With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, guys. Welcome back to The Liz Wheeler Show. I hardly actually know how to start this show because this sentence is a sentence I never thought I would say. The largest satanic gathering in history is coming to a city near you. I wish I were kidding. If you are a Christian, then you might want to leave Boston on the dates April 28th, 29th, and 30th because the Satanic Temple is hosting a conference called SatanCon 2023 in Boston. SatanCon. They have an annual gathering or a conference every year. They picked Boston, I guess, to give the middle finger to the mayor of Boston because the mayor of Boston, to her credit, she's a Democrat, but nonetheless, um, Michelle Wu is her name. She would not allow the Satanic Temple to deliver an invocation at Boston City Hall. More power to her. That's the correct decision. So the the Satanists, the people that go to the Satanic Temple, are trying to annoy her. They're going to host their conference in Boston, the largest satanic gathering in history, or so they claim. So here's this this event is not expected to draw a lot of people. Their event last year, which I think was in Phoenix, was pretty small, sparsely populated. It's it's a dumb event. It's a bad event. It's an evil event. It's a dangerous event, actually, regardless of the fact that it's small and dumb and bad. But it's actually more than just something that's an ob- something that's obvious to condemn, right? Most of us are going to look at that and be like, well, that's weird, that's bad, that's dangerous, that's dumb, let's stay away from that. But it's more than that. I was reading the description of the event, some of their events, what they're going to do there, and the mission and their mission statement, the, the purpose of their conference, and something significant stuck out at me, especially something that I think is very relevant to the conversations that we've been having this week about race. Um, especially in the wake of the Tyree Nichols video, that body cam footage, and the reaction from the left, the reaction from the left was not to condemn the five police officers, the five black police officers who beat Tyree Nichols to death, not to um, call for actual justice, but to assign the blame to white people, even though white people weren't involved, to claim that even though the officers were black, there was this was systemic white supremacy. We talked about this on, on Monday's show, but when I was reading the description of Satan Con and the Satanic Temple's mission, something struck struck me. It stuck out at me. And what stuck out at me was the strategy that the Satanic Temple is using to infiltrate our society with, well, the literal devil here. So I want to walk you. I know this sounds this might sound out there, um, but I want to walk you through my thought process because it's actually quite significant and it is quite relevant to the game of politics that we play, especially when our politics have escalated to this point where we are engaging in a battle of good versus evil. It's not It's not like 50, 60 years ago when we were like, okay, as Americans, we're all on the same page. We believe in the fundamental values and principles on which our country was built. We all believe, for example, that we should have a border wall. It's just a matter of, should it be a fence? Should it be a wall? 
Should it be an actual structure or should it be a border patrol human type uh, deterrence system? You know, the, the, the how was what we debated, not the what. That's, that, that is no more. That is no more. The people, in, in fact, the Republicans in Congress who believe that that's what they're debating, maybe like the Mitt Romneys who, give, who believe that they're, they're negotiating with, in good faith with the Democrats, they don't understand that what we're doing now in our country is we're engaging in a battle of good versus evil. The Democrats have embraced very bad, very evil ideologies at the core of their policies. The neo-Marxist stuff is coming to mind. Transing children is coming to mind. Abortion up until the moment of birth is coming to mind. Putting men in women's prisons because of their quote-unquote gender identity, which harms women, is coming to mind. I mean, we can we can think of any, any number of these things. Um, but this is the tactic that, again, circling back, the tactic that the Satanic Temple describes of how they, they infiltrate society is all too familiar to us. So like I said, I wanna walk you through my thought process on that. So let's get to it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so coming to a city near you, literally, if you live anywhere in the Northeast, in Boston, Massachusetts, on April 28th to 30th, the Satanic Temple is hosting a conference called SatanCon. SatanCon 2023 is what they're calling it. Um, and they are the ones that claim it. I'm not, I'm not using this phrase to be, to be um, funny here, or to be witty. They're the ones who are describing it as the largest Satanic gathering in history. This conference will host discussion panels. They will have entertainment. They will perform satanic rituals. They will have a satanic wedding chapel. If you want to just give yourself the sign of the cross right now to protect yourself, you know, from having to hear this conversation, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't blame you. They have a satanic marketplace, they say. This is all designed uh, is it designed to get attention, first of all. It's designed to make a political point. The satanic temple claims that they actually don't serve the devil. They say that they they don't um, serve any god. They claim that this is this is all a sort of political middle finger to religious people and religiosity in the law, any kind of morality that's inherent to law. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute because that's simply not true. If Regardless of what the Satanic Temple believes, uh, Christians, as we know, have a choice between serving either God or the devil. There's, there's really no third option here. But again, we're not going to talk about religion at this moment. We're going to talk about the politics of the thing. So Sa the, the Satanic Temple is highly involved in politics, and they um, are generally very leftist. Now, they claim to be supporters of free speech and religious liberty, but they don't mean it. They say that as uh, a, a trick, basically, to, to fool maybe conservatives, maybe Christians into thinking that they are not the danger that they are. But one of the things that they do is they push abortion. They push child sacrifice, which, if you know your Bible— you know, that this is the way of the devil. This is what the devil does, child sacrifice. So the language that the Satanic Temple uses when they talk about abortion, they say, 
um, one of the tenets of their belief system is that one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. Um, and because of that, they claim that it is their religious liberty to perform what they call a satanic abortion ritual, that it would be a violation of their, their, free their right to free exercise of religion if the government bans abortion. Um, again, a satanic abortion ritual, and here they claim they don't, they don't serve the devil. I, I think we can see that that's not the truth. But here, here, here's the part that actually stuck out at me. That's sort of a sidebar comment, just to give you an idea that even though they, they sort of laugh and chuckle and pretend they try to def defer a little bit and pretend they don't serve the devil, don't be fooled. Certainly don't be fooled. This is their mission. The mission statement of the satanic temple is, quote, to encourage benevolence and empathy among all people, reject tyrannical authority, advocate practical common sense and justice and be directed by the human conscience to undertake noble pursuits. All of those words are very pretty words. All of those actions seem like they're serving others. And I read this and I almost got the chills because I thought, oh, wow, okay. Well, it's fitting that this is from the Satanic Temple because this is exactly how the Antichrist would act. And you might be saying, well, Liz, I, I didn't tune in here for a religious sermon. Follow along because I think you're gonna like where I'm taking this. This is, it's not a religious sermon. This is a political commentary based on the political activities and the political tactics used by the Satanic Temple and in this case, promoted at SatanCon. So to encourage benevolence and empathy among all people, reject tyrannical authority, advocate practical common sense and justice, and be directed by the human conscience to undertake noble pursuits. This is exactly what I would expect the Antichrist to do, how we should expect the Antichrist to ask. And what I mean by that is you can remember Dante painted Lucifer, not as this grisly, horrible, disfigured um, figure, devil with horns, just reeking and stinking and all of that, just something that would be repugnant and repulsive. No, Dante painted Lucifer as charming and handsome and very attractive, not repulsive in the least, just very full of magnetism. People are drawn to Lucifer. Lucifer seems kind. Lucifer says nice things. He's not suave or slimy. He, he radiates warmth. That's part of what he does. And this is, I, I always found that. That actually stuck out to me when I read Dante in high school because it stuck out to me because I was like, oh, that's very interesting. It's, it's like a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And, and, and Lucifer, the devil, will encourage you, the Antichrist, will encourage you to do good, will encourage you to do good for others, to do things, to do good things in the name of doing good for others. And the result will be bad things happen, horrible things happen, but in the name of good intentions, in the name of good intentions. And Lucifer will promise you success, maybe even deliver success to you and prosperity and, you know, at least temporary happiness. But there will be, when the Antichrist comes to earth, there will be one big caveat to all of this. You might, you might be promised success and prosperity and happiness if you worship the Antichrist. The one big caveat, if you sell your soul to the devil, literally. Lots of Christians will fall for this. We're told this in the Bible. Again, this is not a religious sermon. Follow along where I'm going here because this is a political tactic that the left is, is engaging in. Lots of Christians will fall for this. And it will lead to the eternal damnation of their soul. Back to my other point. So when, when, when anyone in politics says that, especially someone like the, some political activists like the Satanic Temple says, you know, we're, we're not serving God or, or the devil. We don't believe in anything. We're more of an atheistic 
um, they don't they don't say atheistic, but they just say we don't we don't worship anyone. That that can't be. You can't worship no one, nothing. You are either your choice is either to serve God or to serve the devil. There's not a third option. There is no absence of religion. I know that's a very popular, a very a very cultural. Um, thing to say that oh you know let's 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 just be tolerant let's have a neutral even playing field that's not possible in in it's not possible in morality to be simply neutral like that you either choose good or you choose bad and by by refusing to choose good or neglecting to choose good then you are intentionally or not choosing bad now you can sit there and you can be like well I might not be a practicing Christian Liz you don't have to pretend that this is absolute truth but here's what I'm telling you you don't have to believe what I'm saying but it doesn't render it untrue. There are certain things that are true, and you certainly have the freedom not to not to agree with that, but it doesn't render it untrue. Again, follow along, because this political commentary is going to make sense in just a moment. Um, and remember, the Antichrist is not always going to present as the devil with horns. It will be disguised as what? As empathy, as compassion, as equality, as tolerance, as justice. All of these words that have positive connotations that we all inherently strive to achieve and want out of the goodness of our human will for other people, right? I read this. I read this description of the Satanic Temple's mission. I read the description of their, what sounds just horrendous, this, this SatanCon conference that they're going to host. And I thought to myself, this wolf in sheep's clothing tactic that they're using, disguising actual Satanism in good words like benevolence and noble intentions and goals and kindness and all of the other words that they use. This is the exact same tactic that the Democrats are using in our country right now when they're talking about race. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so the Democrats are doing the exact same thing, using this exact same tactic, this wolf in sheep's clothing, taking these fundamentally good moral things like empathy and compassion and equality and tolerance and justice and wrapping those words in around very bad things. And they do this because inherently this, this human conscience that the Satanic Temple um, I suppose, ironically refers to, this human conscience is formed by what? What is the human conscience? The human conscience is formed by an inherent idea of right and wrong, an inherent idea of natural order. Now, yes, I'm referring to a a creator. I'm referring to a a God-given idea of, of right and wrong, but we all have that. We all have that conscience. You can dull that conscience. You can ignore that conscience. You can retrain that conscience. But inherently, we are not born without an idea of right and wrong. We know right from wrong. It's just a matter of whether 
we are trained to exercise that properly or not. The Democrats wrap these inherently good words around inherently bad things and then deploy these things against us to try to trick us and exploit the good in our human nature to perpetuate really, really harmful policies. And we're seeing that with how they're treating the topic of race. Race has been brought to the forefront again because, first of all, the Democrats have decided that race is going to be their, their political cudgel. This is going to be how they try to divide the American people. They're going to pit us against each other based on what basis? On the basis of our skin color. And they're going to use this as their political vanguard to try to, as Barack Obama once said, fundamentally transform the United States. There has to be discord. There has to be dissatisfaction. There has to be unhappiness. There has to be resentment and anger for such a fundamental transformation to take place. When people are comfortable, when they're happy, when they get along, when, when there's equality, when there's prosperity, why would anybody agree to the discomfort of any kind of revolution or transformation? They wouldn't. They wouldn't need a transformation. Okay, so here's where we have Whoopi Goldberg of The View. They're still talking about the Tyree Nichols uh, video because the Democrats, as we expected them to do, almost immediately proposed legislation, which they're calling police reform, um, in the wake of the Tyree Nichols video, as if, and first of all, just the fact the Democrats introduce legislation in the wake of this bill shows you that something is a little bit fishy because nothing those police officers did was condoned by police policy. Nothing, no crime they committed was allowed. That's why they were immediately fired. That's why they're charged with murder. They're in jail right now. They were arrested. Nothing, nothing that they did is a part of policing as an institution. Nothing. It was a violation of the responsibility and the oath that they swore to protect the community and uphold people's inherent human rights. But the Democrats don't, don't, don't want you to think about that. What they want you to think about is they want you to think about that video that they showed a hundred times. They want you to feel the, the pain and the agony of this man and his family, this man who was murdered and his family, and then they want you to accept this so-called police reform bill without looking at it, thinking that it will prevent crimes like the one committed against Tyree Nichols. Um, and this is Whoopi Goldberg's comment when uh, it seems that the political appetite of the American people is not going to allow the Democrats to push through this police reform. She, of course, blames this on white people and suggests what should happen to white people as a consequence. Take a listen to this. If it's a white policeman or a black policeman, it is a problem in the police, in the policing yeah. itself. You know, seems things don't seem to make sense to people unless it's somebody they can feel or they can mm -hmm. recognize. But how many times do we have to, do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything? I'm not suggesting that. So don't write us and tell me what a, you know, what a racist I am. I'm just asking, is that, is that what people have to see in order to wake up and realize this affects us all? I would humbly suggest that you do go ahead and email Whoopi because um, I, 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 when I first watched that video, I got to tell you, I had a little evolution of thought process here. At first, I thought, okay, well, this this language that Whoopi Goldberg is using sounds a lot like the the neo-Marxist racialized or the racialized Marxism 
that we talk about all the time where the black people are pitted against the white people, the white people are pitted against the black people, black people are told they're inherently oppressed, white people are told they're racist, there's this implicit bias, white people are supposed to not know that they have, even if they don't feel the feelings or act the actions that would otherwise be racism, they still inherently have it just because they live on the shoulders of white supremacy, of white supremacy. The founding of our nation was built on that, so you can't escape it because it was just a few generations ago that your ancestors were oppressing black people. This is the, the critical race theory stuff that has infiltrated our entire society from corporations to classrooms. And I thought, is Whoopi Goldberg a Marxist? Because this is the kind of bunk nonsense that the Marxists propagate all the time. And I thought, no, I don't think she is. I think she's just dumb. And I don't, I don't say that as an ad hominem insult against her. I mean, I know it's not a kind word, but I'm not calling her like, hey, you dumb dumb. I'm just saying, I think she's objectively not smart. I think that she is, her bigotry, this is bigotry. It is a racist thing to say. It's a horrible thing to suggest that A, white people don't have compassion for a man who was murdered because he doesn't share the same color skin. That's incredibly insulting. That is racist to, to lie about white people. First, to generalize an entire race, by the way, to generalize uh, how many, how many uh, hundred, hundreds of millions of people who live in our country who have white skin to generalize everybody with that color skin and say you don't care about justice for somebody else because of the color of that person's skin. That's incredibly racist. Um, and and Whoopi's bigotry, because that's what that is. It's it's bigotry. Bigotry against white people is not necessarily based on Marxism. It's it's based on the fact that she's dumb. And so she's a stooge. So she might be parroting Marxist ideology here, but um, is she a Marxist herself? I don't know. I would email her still. She says not to email and tell her that she's racist, but that's a fundamentally racist thing to do is to generalize people, to lump every person with white skin together and say, hey, you're not going to do what I want you to do um, until we hurt you because the color of your skin makes it so that you don't feel pain when someone else of some other skin color is harmed. That's It's, it's really a disgusting comment, um, and the view should the view should address it, but we know they won't because... Whoopi Goldberg has a pattern of bigoted, racist, sometimes, yes, anti-Semitic comments that she just gets away with. She gets away with. Um, but that aside, what she's saying is obviously a lie. This, this entire narrative is, that black men are targeted by police because of the color of their skin, that cops commit crimes against black men who are targeted based on the color of their skin, and that cops get away with that, that that Policing itself is inherently white supremacist. I mean, this is obviously a lie. We 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 can we've debunked this thoroughly before, but it seems like it might be worth talking about some of the facts that are often not discussed when it comes to this narrative before we talk about the philosophy of the whole thing. So, first of all, I, I just want to remind everyone that every year in the United States, police shoot more white men than black men. In fact, the number of white men who are shot by police every year far exceeds the number of black men who are shot by police every year. And yet, some of these, oftentimes it's justified, as we know, sad situations, oftentimes police shootings are justified. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes there's brutality against police and it's, it's targeting a black man like Tyree Nichols. Sometimes there's violence, uh, brutality by police that's targeting a white man. But I bet Whoopi Goldberg couldn't name one single white man who was unfairly and unjustly targeted with any kind of force, maybe lethal force, maybe less than lethal force by police. You never hear any protests 
about police brutality when it's aimed at white men, even though far more often it is aimed at white men than it is aimed at black men. So I did a little research, dug into some of these facts because I wanted to find the actual numbers. Even what I just said to you that far more white men are shot by police every year, that's not a tangible number. What am I talking about? What do I mean? What's what's the tangible, like what are the digits? Like I wanna know how many more white men are shot every year than black men. So Robert Verbruggen from the Manhattan Institute did an extremely deep dive into all of the allegations of um, police brutality from lethal force to non-lethal force to bias um, by white officers and black officers in different geographies. He did a deep dive into this. He published this um, report. It's called Fatal Police Shootings and Race, a review of the evidence and suggestions for future research. He published this on March 9th of 2022. So almost a year ago. And I want to read, this is actually like a 50 page report or something. We're not going to read even close to that. I just want to read a couple of excerpts from this report that'll give you an idea of the concrete numbers that are reality versus this narrative that we're hearing from the left every time um, every time something awful happens to a black person. So first of all, police interactions in general, how often do these happen? When police are called 911, when they, when they arrest someone, how, how often do police interact with private citizens? Tens of millions of times a year, tens of millions. There are 10 million arrests that happen every year. In fact, over a million arrests happen for assault alone. So just going into that interaction with police, these are violent suspects. These these people are allegedly um, harming other people, causing bodily harm. Um, That's because there are 16,000 murders every year. 16,000 murders every year in our country. That's not, that's not police-involved murders. This is, this, is, you, this is citizen, citizen, sometimes I suppose non-citizen, citizen, but I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about um, lethal interaction or deadly interactions between police. So I'm not talking about cops who are killed by, by private citizens or, or civilians, I should say. Cops who are killed by civilians or civilians who are killed by cops. I'm just talking about the overall murder rate in our country. 16,000 murders. Um, but over 10 million arrests, tens of millions of police-civilian interactions. Just to give context of the bucket of of number of police interactions that we're looking at that actually result in use of force in shootings or in death. That's the first context. So of these tens of millions of police interactions a year, police, and this is a direct quote, police fatally shoot about 1,000 people every year. On-duty police fatally shoot about 1,000 people every year. Approximately, this is what um, Verbruggen writes, approximately a quarter of those killed are black. Black Americans, he writes, are overrepresented among those shot to death by police, accounting for a little over 25% of those killed, despite being only about 13% of the general population. It's that fact right there, the overrepresentation compared to the percentage of population that um, that the crux of the Black Lives Matter movement's arguments, I guess, if they have any, any substantiation to their argument, that's what they're talking about when they talk about a higher number of black men. It's not a higher number. It is a larger percentage compared to the percentage of black people in our population as a whole. However, Verbruggen writes, this overrepresentation is in line with and sometimes below many other so-called benchmarks 
that one might use for comparison, such as the racial breakdowns of arrests, murders, and violent crime offenders as reported by victims in surveys. So what this means is something I said on Monday that uh, we don't often talk about, and the left is unwilling to discuss why it is that there is an over-representation of, of black people who are shot by police. It's not because of racism. It's often because black people are, are commit a higher percentage of crimes compared to their demographic percentage if you are juxtaposing that against the percentage or against white people committing crimes compared to the percentage of white people in our population. So why is that? Why is it that, that the black crime rate is higher than the white crime rate? That's the question actually at the, that's truly at the heart of this whole conversation, but the left doesn't want to talk about that. So then we get to the number, the actual numbers of how many black people and how many non-black people, that's white and Hispanic, um, people are shot by police every year. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So police fatally shoot about 1,000 people every year. Black Americans account for a little over 25% of those killed. Uh, that, if you do the math there, that means that approximately 250 black people are fatally shot by police every year compared to 750 non-black people. That seems like a large number of both. That's a lot of people, a thousand people killed by police every year. 250 black people compared to 750 non-black people. Those are the numbers that I, I was listening to Whoopi Goldberg's video and I thought, well, wait a second. We know that this is objectively untrue. We know that you know it, all white people are not, are not racist, obviously, that the system of policing is not based in white supremacy. We know that what happened in the Tyree Nichols video wasn't legal. It certainly wasn't department policy. It's against the law. These cops are being charged with murder. There is, our system is working. The accountability that these, these protesters and rioters who were looting GameStops and stealing Xboxes, pretending that's justice, what, the, what they're talking about isn't justice. They're talking about anarchy because justice is being served. Our justice system is working. The system is working when someone who commits a crime is held accountable for it under the law as they're supposed to do. But I thought to myself, I wonder, this, this is obviously a lie, but it's, it's on the tip of the tongue of every liberal commentator out there, even those that aren't necessarily Marxist but are just dumb, like Whoopi Goldberg. So what are the numbers? The numbers are 250 black people and 750 non-black people are shot to death by police every year. Now, the left will probably narrow this. Their response to this will be like, okay, but what about unarmed people, right? If I think most people most, well, I don't want to speak for the left here. The Marxists may have some crazy justification for it. But uh, most rational people, if an armed suspect is pointing a gun at police and threatening to shoot, then they're like, well, yeah, the police can shoot in self-defense. Okay. 
What about unarmed shootings when the suspect it does not have a firearm and the police shoot them anyway? What are the numbers there? So this is what, oh, first of all, by the way, before we get to the numbers, this obviously doesn't mean that they're not threatening. Like what if they're trying to run over police with a car? What if they have a knife? What if they're, what if they're physically grabbing for the police officer's neck? I mean, you don't have to be armed with a firearm to pose a lethal threat to police officers. So that's just the obvious caveat at the beginning, which I suppose is notwithstanding of the overall numbers, but it is, uh, it is worth noting, and Verbruggen notes this. He says, nationwide, remember, more than 600 murders per year out of the 16,000 are accomplished without a weapon. So five, roughly 5% of all murders in our country, these are not police murders. This is not police-civilian interactions. This is just the whole bucket of murders. 5% of murders are committed without a weapon, just with, just with one's body. So the idea that police using lethal force on an unarmed person can never be justified is absurd. It's, it is not in line with anything, anything else. So this is, what, this is what the Verbruggen writes about the statistics regarding black people, or the racial breakdown, I should say, of unarmed, of police shooting unarmed uh, folks. Blacks, he writes, are an even higher percentage of unarmed civilians shot and killed by police, 34%. Of confirmed fatal police shootings of unarmed African-Americans, they number about 22 per year. So let's do the math on that. 22 black people, unarmed black people, are shot by police every year. If that is 34% of 34% of the total police shootings of unarmed people every year, that means there's about 65 um, unarmed police shootings of unarmed people every year. That means 22 black and 43 non-black. So no matter which way you slice the numbers here, the, the fact of the matter is there are more white people that are shot, more unarmed white people that are, that are shot by police than by black people. Now, no one's arguing that the percentage, the demographic, the percentage of the demographic, it outsizes um, the percentage of black people who are fatally shot by police and unarmed black people who are fatally shot by police compared to the percentage of the demographic of black people in our country. No one's arguing that that's... Um, that that's not outsized by the statistics for white people compared to um, the number, the total number of white people in our nation. That's true. But again, what that doesn't take into account is, well, why are why are why is the black crime rate higher? Um, why is the black crime rate higher? Perhaps because of the breakdown of the black family. Perhaps because the Democrat policies perpetuate the breakdown of the black family, from absent fatherhood to the glorification of of gang life and thug culture to you know, Hollywood and rap music and these influences in young men's life and abortion aimed at women and failing schools that are, that are causing children to actually choose to go into gang life, to go to turn to drugs instead of, um, pursuing, instead of pursuing something good, instead of pursuing something worthy. Um, none of that's talked about, right? None of the, the absolute neglect of black family life by Democrat politicians has wreaked havoc on our on black culture, on black people in our nation, and on our nation as a whole, and it's entirely ignored. But I guarantee, if we spent a decade, an entire decade, maybe two decades, focusing on just supporting black families, encouraging black fatherhood, encouraging women to wait to have babies until they're married, black women to wait to have babies until they're married, not to use abortion, to send children 
to schools, to have school choice so that parents could choose the best school. If we focused on these things, instead of perpetuating the cycle of poverty and government programs and indoctrination, keeping many black people permanent victims in order to keep them permanent democratic voters, the entire, the entire culture of our nation would change here. Okay, so not to get off on a tangent here because we have two more statistics here. First of all, we have, uh, we have him talk about at the Manhattan Institute, what is his name? Robert Verbruggen. Um, talk about how many law enforcement officers were held accountable under the law when they did commit crimes against people. And he says more than 100 law enforcement officers were criminally charged with murder or manslaughter for on-duty shootings between 2005 and mid-2019, and 35 of them were convicted of a crime. So there, there, there's not police officers who are getting away with, uh, with wrongdoing. When there is an unjustified shooting, they're charged. And if, if, if it was, in fact, unjustified, if they violated the law, they are convicted of this. Um, yet, all of, these, all of these statistics that I mentioned here is not what the Democrats want people to think of. It's not the prevailing narrative in our culture or in politics. And it's led to... Um, it's led to people believing that the number of black people, unarmed black people killed by police every year is over a thousand. We have on average 20 to 25 unarmed black people who are killed every year by police, but most Americans believe that number is in the thousands. Why? Because of people like Whoopi Goldberg, because of Democrats who lie about this, who lie about the institution of police itself. And this is where we like zoom out on this a little bit and look at the philosophy. How did, how did these, this biggest lie, these lies about race that are just verifiably untrue, how did they become so prevalent? How did they become the, the, the thing that everyone thinks? How did people believe this when it's so easy to debunk it? And the answer to that is Barack Obama. The Barack Obama era brought back race baiting in politics. The Barack Obama era, I mean, Barack Obama himself was the most divisive president in our nation's history. He stoked racial divide that had largely healed in our nation. And he used this as a political weapon. Barack Obama laid the groundwork for the institutional capture that we talk about on this show all the time, where our institutions are infiltrated with this neo-Marxist ideology that puts race as the forefront, critical race theory being the primary example here, white privilege, white guilt, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Barack Obama laid the groundwork through, through all of these lies. And it's not, it's not just that this particular thing about the shooting, this shooting, or not the shooting, but the, the murder of Tyree Nichols. It's not just this. It's not Whoopi Goldberg making a generalization about the number of, of black people that are killed by police every year. All of this, this, this entire movement was built on one tragedy after another that was a lie. I mean, the Michael Ferguson, or the Michael Brown in Ferguson, that was a lie. That was not unjustified. Michael Brown lunged at the police officer. The police officer acted in self-defense. But what happened? The entire city was, was burned. Rioters ransacked the, the, the whole area. This, this was the biggest, there were the biggest protests, that, racial protests that our nation had seen in my entire generation. Freddie Gray, we were told that Freddie Gray was murdered by cops. All the cops were acquitted. Freddie Gray was not murdered. Freddie Gray was on drugs. Even Trayvon Martin, like these are almost like the inaugural Black Lives Matter um, 
situations, the inaugural Black Lives Matter narratives, they were all a lie, every single one of them. And so then we have this, once people's emotions have been rattled by these lies, we have this, this, this idea that the left is perpetuating that the policing, the system of policing is inherently white supremacist, that, that it's our police system itself. It doesn't matter what the police officer is or believes or does, but the actual law enforcement apparatus itself is racist. And so when I hear this, I think, okay, well, what does our police system do, right? What does our police system do? It enforces democratically elected statutes, criminal statutes. Um, but the left says, well, that's a problem too, because our statutes have to be racist because the system of government, our, our representative democracy, it's racist too, the whole system, because it was created, it was founded by men who owned slaves, which makes it completely illegitimate in the eyes, according to the left, I should say. Um, and the system itself, the, the, the representation, the democracy, was founded on, on the ideas of free market, on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, the left says this, this is all racist because this was all done just to protect the financial interests of the founders as they profited off of slave labor. So profit, they say in general, is racist. You know, capitalism, abolish capitalism. It's institutional discrimination and inherent bias. And this, this narrative just builds on itself. Every couple of years, there's a new evolution. There's a new aspect to it. You know, when Michael Brown um, was killed in Ferguson, we didn't hear abolish capitalism and we didn't hear abolish police, but it started as just like, oh, wow, inherent bias in police force. They don't, the police officers don't mean it. They don't know they're racist, but they do shoot black men quicker. Drip by drip by drip, more and more is added to this narrative. So first, you know, there's, there's, there's inherent bias in policing. And then it's that policing itself is a problem. So then it evolves to, well, we need to abolish police. And then it's not just abolish police. If we want to abolish police and actually be active justice warriors for social justice, then we have to abolish other things to other institutions that bolster police, like abolishing the nuclear family and abolishing capitalism. And soon, what do we have here? We have the entire system that the United States was built on torn down. We have freedom and liberty and justice abandoned in favor of communism, in favor of anarchy. But it all, it all is wrapped up in these nice words, just like the Satanic Temple is describing SatanCon 2023 in Boston, in all these nice words like equality and benevolence and noble, noble pursuits and, um, and rejecting tyrannical authority, et cetera, et cetera this tactic of using these good words as uh, sheep's clothing for the wolf underneath, this is what the Democrats are doing in our nation when it comes to race. They're using words like social justice and equality and democracy and tolerance and all of these things that are good, that should be good things, and they're wrapping those words around a poisonous ideology that would harm black people and white people alike. That would harm everybody in this nation except the ruling class that imposes it on us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.